Villas Grace Church, building relationships that make followers of Jesus. Know, grow, go. To know Him, to grow in Him, to go with Him. Heavenly Father, we gather together this morning for the sole purpose of worshiping You. I pray that Villas Grace Church can continually learn how to respond appropriately to who you've revealed yourself to be in your word. Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit convicts us of your truth so we can grow in our relationship with you. That is the greatest encouragement that any believer could ever receive. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Most of us have probably seen the movie at this point, or at least heard of the movie Groundhog Day. This is actually something that took place a few weeks ago. If you have seen the movie or if you haven't seen the movie, this is either going to be a, get you up to date or just a refresher course really quick. But Bill Connors is the man that you see here in the middle. He was actually played by Bill Murray in this movie. He's a, he's a weatherman from a local Pittsburgh station. He believes the station that he works for is actually below his talent level. And Connors is basically in the movie portrayed as an egomaniac. And the station that he works for in Pittsburgh sent him to a small podunk town, in his opinion, called Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania. And he's there to cover the annual Groundhog Day festivities. Basically, Connors mails this news report in because... He's checked out. He thinks he's better than the station that sent him to this small podunk town to do this weather report on whether or not this groundhog sees his shadow and you get six more weeks of winter or you have an early spring. But unfortunately, upon his return back to Pittsburgh, after he has mailed in this news report, he encounters a snowstorm. A mighty, powerful snowstorm in that that actually turns him back around and makes him make a return to Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania, where he, once again, will spend another night in this small town that he thinks he's too good for. See, in the movie, you know what happens. He wakes up. I think it was the Sonny and Cher, I Got You Babe song, if I'm not mistaken. And he has to live that same day over, the day before. At first, he realizes this is what's happening, so as each day comes, he uses the knowledge that he had from the day before to live the same day again to benefit himself. He became extremely selfish, but eventually he realizes that he'll never leave this Groundhog Day. Even though he started off using everything for himself and his own benefit, he finally realized it's never going to stop. He even attempts to kill himself in the movie just to wake up the very next day. He even got to the point where he was going to try to help other people. He befriended this man that he knew that was going to die. He saved this man's life just to wake up the next morning and realize the man still died. No matter what he did, it wasn't going to work. He couldn't get away from his groundhog day. Brothers and sisters, enough of Phil Connors. We're not here to hear hear about Phil Connors. We're here to hear about Jonah. That's who you guys came to hear, and that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about Jonah's Groundhog Day and our sermon titled, God of Mercy. God of Mercy. Now, what we could have done 
is if you looked at Pastor Jared's sermon last week, we could have made this God of second chances as well, because second chances has everything to do with God's mercy. We could have made this a part two, but today we're calling this God of mercy, and it's in chapter three, verses one through 10, but we can't forget about Pastor Jared's magnificent sermon last week, where he reminded us of this truth, and that truth is this, it's the truth of the best place to be, and that best place is to be in full submission to God's will. Today, we're going to recognize one of those benefits, though. See, when you're in full submission to God's will, it's being in a relationship with God, and it's not just God that is a God. No, it's the true and living God that we have a relationship with who also so happens to be the God of mercy. There's no other living God. There's no other true God, and there is no other God of mercy. Mercy. Speaking of God of mercy and second chances, let's not forget where we left off in last week with Pastor Jared's sermon. And I just want to read this final verse, chapter 2, verse 10, where it said, And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon dry land. So let's go ahead and get into our text this morning. Jonah, chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. And the word reached the king of Nineveh, and he rose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he issued a proclamation and published through Nineveh by the decree of the king of his nobles. Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth. And let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. When God saw what they had did, how they had turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. Brothers and sisters, this needs to be put into a simple sentence. And that simple sentence, all 10 of these verses, looks just like this. God's mercy is reserved for those with a heart that repents. Or let's just simplify that even more. God's mercy is reserved for a heart that repents. If your heart repents, the good news of the gospel is that God has reserved his mercy for you. Right out the gate here in verses 1 and 2, we want to get into that sentence, and we're going to start by going through each one of these verses, but let's just start with verse 1 where it says, then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. Not the first time. This is the second time that the word of the Lord had to come to Jonah. This is Jonah's groundhog day. He's reliving the same message that God has already given him once. Already he's been given a second chance. However, there's something interesting. 
The second chance is not only for Jonah. It isn't that Jonah's just getting the second chance here. It's for the people of Nineveh too. What does it say? It says, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. Brothers and sisters, it is obvious. The people of Nineveh get a second chance. See, this goes back to Pastor Jared's sermon last week. The best place to be is in full submission to God's will because when we submit to God's will, people get a second chance. I want to say that one more time. When we submit to God's will, people get a second chance. And that's about ready to make more sense to you as we go on in this sermon this morning. But how do you respond to the gospel message the first time yourself? The first time you ever heard the good news of salvation through the person and work of Jesus, how did you respond? I'm willing to bet that some of us needed a Groundhog Day too, didn't we? Maybe three or four or five or six or however many times it took. Now, what makes verse 2 even more interesting is the fact that Jonah is the only prophet ever commissioned throughout the whole entire Bible by God to preach the good news in a foreign land. Nowhere else in the Bible do we ever see a prophet being told to go to a foreign land to preach the good news. Well, that's until Jesus went to the cross. Now, I hope you remember our encouragement from the very first sermon that we did here in Jonah. That encouragement that told us to look for gospel parallels. We always look for the gospel even in the Old Testament. Because the Old Testament defines the New Testament. So there's the gospel from Genesis to Revelation. Too often people think the gospel is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That is not the gospel message. The gospel is everything from Genesis to Revelation. Brothers and sisters, what's interesting though about Jonah being the only prophet being asked to go to a foreign land until Jesus went to the cross, the interesting thing about that is We too are prophets in a foreign land because things have changed since Jesus went to the cross. Now, I know some of you are probably saying, how can you or how can I, how can we actually be in a foreign land? Some of us are saying, how can you, how can I, how can we actually be prophets? Well, let's just go back to what Mike shared with us this morning in our worship of when we were singing songs. What did he remind us of? We are sojourners. This this earth is not our home. We, as believers, are in a foreign land. Now, some of you might be asking, wait, wait, hold on a second. Okay, I, I can hang with that. As a believer in Jesus, I know that my next life is my best life to come, and I will inhabit the new heavens or new earth at some point. I get that, but wait, wait, now you're trying to tell me that I'm a prophet? How am I a prophet? I think quite simply, we're not prophets the way in which Jonah was a prophet. The way in which we see minor prophets and major prophets in the Old Testament, those prophets would declare new revelation from God. We don't declare new revelation, but anybody who shares this revelation, Genesis through Revelation, anybody who shares God's word with somebody else is a prophet. That's why we preach verse by verse through books of the Bible. So I can sit here and tell you, 
I am a prophet. And then you see exactly where the prophecy is coming from. Maybe we're not necessarily prophets as much as a conduit. Because God's already revealed His truth. We're just reiterating that truth to each other so we can be reminded of who we are in Christ. Now, a good prophet would first and foremost preach this truth to themselves first. Then a good prophet would preach this truth to someone else secondly. Anyone who preaches the gospel to others second must understand, and even to yourself, the cornerstone of the gospel. The cornerstone is repentance. And repentance is always defined the same way. It's turning away from your sin and turning back towards God. And this is all because God-given faith leads to repentance 100% of the time. The amazing part is that you don't have to go to Nineveh, church. You don't have to go to Nineveh because God has already brought Nineveh to you. So the question really we could all be asking ourselves then, who are the Ninevites in our lives? Who do we know in our lives that don't know the Lord? Who has God brought into your life to hear His message? That's what a good prophet does. A good prophet reiterates God's message of salvation. The same message that will make you arise like Jonah arose in verse 3. See, Jonah's external situation did not change. And we can see from verse 3 that his situation did not change from the external. He attempted to go to Tarshish, but ended up in Nineveh. And we see this in verse 3. This is exactly where it starts. He ended up in Nineveh even though he tried to go to Tarshish. See, this is because of what really changed. What really changed was not his external situation. What really changed in Jonah's life was the situation within Jonah's heart. He embarked towards Tarshish, but still landed in Nineveh. We can go to the four corners of the earth and everywhere else in between, but the fact remains the same. We are still foreigners, still prophets, and we're still surrounded by Ninevites. Even when Jonah embarked towards Nineveh, even on the boat, he was still in the presence of non-Ninevite Ninevites. Do you get where I'm going with that? You know what happened with the other sailors on the boat? Though they weren't Ninevites from Nineveh, they were no different than the Ninevites in Nineveh. Before we knew the Lord, we were no different than the Ninevites in Nineveh, just like the Ninevites in Nineveh were no different than what we were before their eventual repentance. Just like we're in the presence of non-Ninevites, Ninevites today, whether Jew or Gentile, everyone needs to hear the message of God's mercy. Everyone. Nobody is exempt from hearing this message. Everyone needs to hear the message and respond. We know that this is true because of what Paul writes in Romans chapter 10, verses 14 and 15. And let me read these two verses for you. Paul writes, How then will they call on Him in whom they have not believed? How are they to believe in Him of whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? 
And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Most importantly, everyone needs to respond to the gospel message by repenting. That's the only way to respond. To acknowledge that you are a sinner. Turn away from said sin and turn back towards God. We have further evidence of this in Acts 17, verse 30, where it says, The times of ignorance of God overlooked, but now He commands all people everywhere to repent. As for Jonah's transformed and changed situation, one commentator wrote this. He has been to the depths, wiped his feet on the welcome mat of the grave, and returned. Jonah is not the same man. How could he be? After having responded to God's message of mercy, how could we be the same either? And according to verse 5, we know that Ninevites responded in repentance. It's precisely what they did, because what does it say? And the people of Nineveh believed God, from the greatest of them to the least of them. Verse 6 is really an example of how far the gospel message can penetrate. Because look how far it went. It says the word reached the king of Nineveh. I actually know somebody personally who I went to high school with. Ended up working for the FBI who did a daily briefing to the President of the United States on counterterrorism. Who would have ever thought that he would be put in such a position? And it just so happened that he is a believer. In fact, his own mother had visited our church on a number of occasions a few years ago. The gospel message can penetrate any level of societal status. Brothers and sisters, God has strategically placed non-Ninevites in our lives for us to share Christ in Him crucified for the sin of the world. Now take note of when the word reached the king of Nineveh, because this is something that we need to notice, because do you notice his response? By the time the word, the message from God reached his throne, notice his response? There's a few things we can notice with his response. First, it's immediate. Now again, notice his response. He responded by truly what? Repenting. He truly repented. He voluntarily went from the top of the food chain to the bottom of the food chain. What does it say? He arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. Now, sackcloth represents dust, which actually represents death. And ashes represent fire and judgment. Because we stand before the Lord in judgment. But it's either you stand before the Lord with Jesus by your side because of your faith in Him, or you stand before the Lord with you and yourself alone trying to say, hey, look at all these good things I did. Well, if you stand in front of the Lord without Jesus, with just all the good things that you did in your life, judgment and death is reserved 
for you. That's why it's so important that we share the good news of salvation with others. Basically, the king of Nineveh is acknowledging that his privileged life means absolutely nothing because he now realizes through repentance that he only deserves dust and death. Brothers and sisters, we only deserve the dust and death too. And if we think that we deserve more, we are fooling ourselves. But we're fortunate to have heard the word, aren't we? And maybe in our Groundhog Day, maybe we had to hear that word multiple times before it actually started to sink in and repentance started to happen. But we're fortunate to have heard the word of God's mercy from the God of mercy. The word that states in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. That word right there. Brothers and sisters, eternal life is the real life of privilege. There's no life of privilege on this earth that could ever compare to eternal life. Because no matter how fancy is fancy, it's all just sackcloth and ashes awaiting its eventual judgment. That's what we see. It doesn't matter. So as Joe comes up and joins me, I want to close with verses 9 and 10. Again, as we understand that sackcloth represents dust, and ashes represent fire and judgment, that we understand it's our faith in the person and work of Jesus that makes the word so true in our hearts. It's our faith in that person and work of Jesus that actually matters. And that's what makes the message to us so sweet to the sound. When we hear the gospel proclaimed, when others might think that it convicts them to a point where it makes them uncomfortable and they don't want to hear it because it's not a positive message. For us, we see the positivity within the message because we realize without Jesus by our side, when we stand in judgment, we will never receive the life of privilege, which is actually the only life of privilege, which is eternal life. Our job here on this earth is to share Christ and Him crucified. And that's exactly what we see the Lord asking Jonah to do in the account of Jonah. Yeah, he tried to go to Tarshish, but where did he end up anyway? Preaching the gospel to those who do not know the Lord. And it went all the way to the king. And what happened? Repentance. The same exact repentance from sin that must happen in our lives. Brothers and sisters, it's God's amazing grace that leads to faith. The same faith that prompts His mercy. The grace and mercy He desires to shower upon us. And for those of you that don't feel qualified for His grace and mercy, join the club. None of us are qualified for His mercy. But because of Jesus, we are. We're just not qualified on our own, on our own standing. 
We're not qualified on our own work, but we are qualified in the work of Jesus. And Jesus isn't a concept that we just say, yeah, he died for my sins. We show that he died for our sins and that we believe that in our heart because the Holy Spirit has prompted us to repent just like we see the Ninevites in Nineveh repenting. He wants to shower this upon us so he can, as it says in the verses at the end here, relent and turn from his fierce anger. As a holy God, his anger has to be fierce, especially when he's dealing with sin. But if we repent because of our faith in Jesus, he will relent because we repent. And this message that we proclaim to all the non-Ninevite Ninevites that God has strategically placed in our lives to hear the message that says it's not about our external situation, but rather our internal situation. It doesn't matter what happens to us on the outside because it really truly matters what's going on in our hearts. Jonah's situation was awful, just like many biblical characters, but their internal situation wasn't because they had the Holy Spirit as they came to a saving faith in Christ which is a true transformative change of the heart from a God of mercy. So as we close, I just want to remind us of that main idea. God's mercy is reserved for a heart that repents. Brothers and sisters, repentance begins with faith, but faith begins with God's grace. God has gifted us the necessary faith in Jesus to receive his mercy and salvation. So with that being said, I would like to have Pastor Steve come up as we close in singing one of the greatest hymns of all time, dealing with that exact message. Amazing grace. Hello. Well, there you go. In light of the mercy that was shown to Nineveh, I've been asked to lead us in amazing grace. And I would say when it comes to sharing the gospel, the toughest people in the world to reach are those that think they're really good people because they don't recognize their sin. And if you ever do any historical study of the city of Nineveh, the capital of the great Assyrian Empire, it was really despicable. And whatever Jonah's message must have convicted their hearts because they were they did repent in sackcloth and ashes and came to Christ. If you know the story behind Amazing Grace, uh, John Newton was uh, a slave trader until he came to know Christ, and then he realized how despicable his activities had been. So he wrote, the, wrote this great hymn of his salvation and ours as well, the grace of God. So we'll just sing three verses of that, and we'll sing, start with, the, of course, the first verse. Okay, ready, Joe? Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found, was blind, but now I see. 
Twas grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed. When we've been there ten thousand years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. Brothers and sisters, we can never downplay the importance of grace. It's in our name. It's in our name. We're telling our whole neighborhood here where this church is placed. The name of this neighborhood is Villas. The name of the church is Grace. That message of grace is the cornerstone message of the entire gospel. So if there's anybody here this morning who wants to know more about God's grace, if you feel like what you heard this morning resonated in your heart, do not hesitate to speak to myself or Pastor Steve or Pastor Jared. We would love to share more with you about God's grace. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we leave here this morning, I pray that we can be a church that continually learns to share your good news with others, the message of grace. And I just pray, Lord, that we can be an encouragement in you to one another. And we pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, look us up on our website, www.villasgrace.com, or drop us a line via email, connect at villasgrace.com.